Welcome to the West Side Podcast, where you can find real help for real life. We hope you'll take a second right now and subscribe to this podcast and let us know how we can help. You can find out more at westsidecommunitychurch.com. Now join us for this week's installment of the West Side Podcast. Question for you today. How is the war in your mind going for you right now? Uh, if you had a stats sheet for the battles that you've won or lost in the last seven days, what would it look like? How many battles have you won? You know, the war that goes on in your mind, how many battles have you won? How many battles have you lost? Uh, wouldn't it be a scary thing if the person sitting next to you right now could see inside your mind? <laughs> Can you imagine that? You'd be like, ah, cover it up. I don't want you to see it. Here's, here's what we're dealing with today. We want to talk about defeating negative thoughts. I want to just see an honest uh, show of hands. Anybody struggle with having negative thoughts in your mind? Yeah. Isn't it tough? I mean, it's one of the toughest things I personally deal with. And um, I think that the problem with negative thoughts is they can get the best of you. I know they're not physical things, but in some ways, thoughts are things, and in some ways, they do capture our attention, and they do drive our direction. They impact our choices, and, you know, really, our whole mind, our whole life starts out with what we think, and when you wake up in the morning and you go about your day, the, the beginning thoughts, you know, it's like you're, you're carving a path for the direction of your day, or, or you're carving a path for the, the direction of your week, and sometimes those things happen to you. And so you have to figure out, well, how am I going to defeat those things that I didn't even choose? It's not like I said when I woke up in the morning, you know what I want to be today? Negative. Nobody says that. Uh, Nobody tries to do that. It happens to us. They say that neutral always moves to negative eventually. We can't let our mind go into neutral. We have to learn how to defeat negative thoughts. And and, and so we're going to talk about that today. Uh, A couple of years ago, my identity was stolen, like for real. And, and it was a good one. I mean, whoever did it, it, it was a good one. They did the full meal deal. I mean, they, they got everything. Uh, they, they got access to everything. There were two businesses started in my name. One was in Maine, one was in Beaverton. Uh, and there were offices leased in my name. There were bills coming in my name. There, all this cum- culminated in the, cl- the, the uh, immediate shutting down of my family's bank accounts without our knowledge. And it was a real mess. And I remember uh, there were so many sleepless nights, you know, because I'm like, we didn't do this. I was so upset. I was so upset. I was feeling, you know, that vengeful, like if I could just find this person, you know, I know some people that would take care of them. Um, You know, stuff that goes through your head. Um, I couldn't sleep at night. I was so irritated. I was so paranoid. I remember driving around, and if somebody would drive, would fought, like somebody turns the same direction I turned, and then they turn again, and I'm like, that's got to be the person. You know, and I'm like, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna just pull up, I'm gonna figure out how to get behind them, I'm gonna follow them, you know? And I'm just like going down that whole negative path, and it got, it got really, it consumed me for a little while because it was taking so much of my time to deal with and so much of my attention. I mean, the mess from the bank alone was just a, a huge time sink and a huge inconvenience. And I remember at some point, I don't know if it was a person that got my attention. I don't know if it was God that got my attention. But I do remember thinking to myself, I got to stop this. 
it's not helping. I mean, my negativity and my obsession with this is not helping anything, you know? And it's, it's, it's losing me sleep. It's losing me all kinds of things. Um, that's what happens when your thoughts go negative, is they, do, they, they take you over. And, you know, the truth is, is that psychologists link negative thinking to depression, anxiety, chronic worry, and OCD, according to the Cleveland Clinic. And, I mean, those things can be really, really difficult. I don't know if you heard the story about the guy that was uh, working on a train car, and it was actually a refrigerated box car. He was working on it, and uh, it was the, the end of the workday, and, uh, and he wanted to finish one more little task in that box car. And what he didn't know is that everybody else had already clocked out, and somebody walked by and shut the door and locked it. Um, while he was in there trying to do something, and they didn't notice that he was pounding on the door trying to get out. Well, he was in a refrigerated boxcar locked in, and it was the end of the workday, and he's like, I gotta get out of this thing or else I'm gonna freeze to death. And so he pounded and he banged on the door, and you probably heard this story, but I mean, he, he, he ended up dying in that boxcar because it was so cold. He even wrote a note, you know, and it was like, uh, I think he found a piece of cardboard and he wrote a note on it, and it was like, you know, hands shaking, so cold, uh, tell my wife I love her. <laughs> when they went in the next day to uh, discover that he was dead, they found out that uh, the boxcar was never actually even on. The, the refrigeration was never even on. He thought it was on. But the temperature in the boxcar when he died was 63 degrees because he thought it was cold. Your mind is powerful. If you think the world is crashing down on you, it is. If you think things are going great, they are. Uh, you know, whatever you think tends to be a projection, right? A prophecy for your life. If you think your spouse is an idiot, I didn't realize that was gonna be funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you think your kids will never get it right, I mean, you know what I mean? Our thoughts are really important. If you've got negative thoughts, they're driving your life right now. You've got to learn that it's okay to take control. And, and so I want to share some important stuff with you. By the way, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, sow a thought, you reap an action. He said, sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. There's a really funny episode of Friends, um, the show, TV show Friends, uh, that was actually back in 1994, one of the early ones, where Chandler had picked up the habit of smoking. I don't know if you've seen this one, but he picked up the habit of smoking, and Rachel was concerned because he was just, you know, he was really addicted. And so she's like, we got to get you past this. So she brings him this hypnosis tape. And she gives it to him and says, listen to this at night. And so the next scene is Chandler in bed listening to this tape you know, at, at night as he's sleeping. And it's saying things like, you're sleeping soundly. And then he's just, he's just out, you know. It's like, you, you don't need to smoke. And it's this hypnosis tape that's trying to program his mind. And then the next thing it says is, you are a strong, confident woman. And... <laughs> And it's, it's just funny to scene because the next day he's, he's behaving differently, you know, in many ways. And uh, I think one of the things that we have, to, we have to understand is your thoughts guide your life. And as we talked about in week one of this series, what's guiding your thoughts? Because if your thoughts guide your life, 
there's something guiding your thoughts too. And uh, we want to talk about how do we overcome these things today. One of the reminders that I have for you is that we are in a war. We are in a war. And every minute of every day, did you realize if you're a follower of Jesus, and even if you're not, maybe you're here exploring faith, investigating, looking in, and what would it look like to follow Jesus? One of the things that we, we know Jesus promised us is, he said, first, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Like, oh, gee, thanks for the good news. But he also said, and there is an enemy, and his name is Satan. He said he is the thief. He came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said his name, his, his other name, his nickname is the father of lies. And so if you're kind of just cruising along and your mind is in neutral, here's what's going to happen. It will get roped in by the enemy. It will get dragged into whatever the enemy has in store for you, and you will become a weapon of the devil. Do you want that? You will become, uh, you know, an ally of evil, not on purpose, but he steals, right? He kills, he destroys. That's what he does. And I bet you every person in here and every person watching online has seen it happen to somebody. You've watched it. You've watched them get lassoed, and then they just eventually move to a whole different place, right? Not for good. Now, we've seen the other thing, too, where somebody goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my mind right. I'm going to let God renew my mind. I'm going to win the war in my mind. And we've seen somebody be moved by not the lasso of the enemy, but more like by like that shepherd staff of Jesus pulling us toward him. And what happens in their life? Oh man, they get peace, right? They get joy. They don't get the perfect life. What, what often I think people look at the, the prospect of following Jesus. And I think they look at it and go, ooh, finally, all my troubles can be gone. That doesn't happen, unfortunately. I wish it did. Um, I'm sorry. There's no money-back guarantee for that uh, in following Jesus. We have just as many problems. It's just that we're not alone in them. It's just that we have the God of the universe holding us in it. It's just that we have God's spirit constantly comforting and redirecting and counseling us and reminding us of his presence with us. You know, there's so many advantages to following Jesus when you think about the war that we all fight. Here's what Peter said. He said, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I just want to pause and say that's why we do what we do as followers of Jesus. I want to say thank you to every single one of you who has been thinking about what is my place in this world. Every, Every single person here is so important. You're so important. What you do and the the consequences of your actions in your family this week, in your business this week, in your neighborhood this week, the consequences of your actions, they, they bear eternal weight. So you are very important. And how we respond today is gonna matter a lot to the people that we love. And so I wanna encourage you, I wanna beg you, I wanna ask you to lean in, I wanna ask you to take this seriously, I wanna ask you to, to know that you matter and to, and to decide, I'm gonna win, I'm gonna win. I wanna show you something real quick, and that is we're gonna send this out this week. So this is called our annual report, and you're gonna get a copy. Uh, if, you're, if you're a contributor to Westside, you're gonna get a copy uh, of your annual report along with your giving statement for 2022. This has some great stuff in it. And I want you to know that if you've been contributing, one of the things that you're doing is you're helping people find and follow Jesus. You're you're helping other people connect with the Jesus who can rescue them from the enemy, you know, the, the roaring lion. 
So watch your mailbox. Let's celebrate together. Um, there's some wonderful things happening, but let's get into our notes, okay? Uh, if you're going to win, you got to fight. That's the first thing I want you to write down your notes or take notes online in the app or however you're doing it. But if you're going to win, you got to fight. You got to get your mind out of neutral and, and, and into at least first gear today to go, okay, let's move forward. Let's decide that today we're not going to let the enemy push us around. We, we are not going to stand still in a time when there's a battle raging, you know? I'm not gonna be caught, you know, sipping iced tea in a rocking chair in the middle of a battle. This is the time to fight. If you're gonna win, you gotta fight. How are you fighting the battle? In Ephesians chapter six, this is in your notes, and, and I wanna point out, this is a uh, passage that is, is all about spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter six, the apostle Paul, he's writing to this group of people in Ephesus and they were going through all kinds of battles and he's going, okay, let me, let me give you the real deal here about what's actually going on. So he says this in Ephesians 16, he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Apparently there are a lot of them. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I know that kind of tends, sometimes tends to freak people out, to go like, oh, I don't like all this evil spirit talk. And, and I think that's one of the realities for us to embrace, is to go, well, we might not like it, but if it's reality, then we have to be aware of it, and we have to be prepared for it. If there's a battle raging for your soul and you decide to ignore the fact, that's not gonna go well for you. You know, that's not gonna go well for me. In those moments when you feel tempted and drawn and you don't, and you don't pause to recognize what's going on, there's only one way that's gonna end, with you being lassoed into the grip of the enemy to be used as a weapon of evil. That's how that's gonna end. And, and so we gotta stop and go like, wait, I'm gonna fight because I'm gonna win. I'm not going to be pushed around by the enemy. In verse 13, it says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. He's talking about now this body armor, the armor of God. If you've ever heard that thrown around, it comes from this passage right here. He says, put on the belt of truth and the body armor or breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. There's a lot in there, and I'm not gonna take time to walk through each one of those pieces of the armor of God, but what I do wanna say is, one, it's pretty obvious there's something going on beyond what we can see, isn't it? According to scripture, something's happening behind the, behind, behind the scenes. And so whatever is going on in your life is being impacted by, by two forces, by good and by evil. And we have to be aware of that. 
And we have to learn how then do we fight? How then do we win the battle? How then do we capture our thoughts as we've talked about? How do we redirect our thinking? How do we become people who don't get sucked into negative thinking? People that don't become weapons of the enemy. The other thing I want to point out is the action that that Paul is calling us to, that God is calling us to. Because if you just look at that passage, I'm just going to read the action words. Be strong, put on, stand firm, put on, resist, stand, putting on, put on, be fully prepared, hold up, stop, put on, take, pray, stay alert. It's as though Paul thinks we have power to decide what we're going to do. And sometimes I feel like when it comes to our thinking, we, we, just, we just like surrender, we just lay back. We're like, oh, I can't control the way I think. But I'm reminded all the time, um, particularly when I mess up, that the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the, the output that God has in the lives of people who follow him, it, it ends in something called self-control. That knowing Jesus moves us toward this ability to have self-discipline, self-control, where we can be people who go, you know what I want to do in my life today is I want to please God. And then you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. The very next thing that's going to happen is that the enemy is going to give you the biggest temptation you've ever faced in your life. But self-control goes, "Mm -mm, I'm not falling for that. I'm not falling for that. And so then we get to stay on path. It's awesome. One of the things that we've noticed at Westside is, in fact, Jess and, and Dave just announced baptism's coming up. So excited. Can't wait. One of the things that, that happens inevitably with people who decide to go public with their faith, and we warn, we, we, we talk this through, we, we, we share it, but the truth is people don't see it coming all the time, and that is that you're going to face resistance from the enemy. There are going to be attacks you know, there are going to be questions, doubts. There are going to be things that don't go right. You're going to be disappointed. And I think it's important to go, let's prepare for that. That's not negative thinking. That's just proactive thinking to go like, yeah, of course stuff's going to go wrong. But when it does, I'm going to be ready and I'm going to be strong. Well, that's where the Bible is taking us today. And I want to give you a couple of ways to defeat negative thoughts. Okay. So here's two ways. Number one, to defeat negative thoughts, you got to learn to discern. You got to learn to discern. Write that down in your notes. You got to learn to discern because, because something is happening with thoughts that we don't really always um, acknowledge. And here's what it is what's happening with your thoughts is, is a lot like baseball. In fact, I got a picture here. Okay, this is the Phillies and the Astros. Um, and what's happening is there's a baseball being thrown at this guy, right? That's called a pitch. What, is a, what does a good hitter have to, have to know? What does a good batter have to know? They have to know what is that coming at me, right? What is that? Is it a change-up? I've got a list. I had to actually Google this because I don't know. Um, <laughs> is it a change-up? Is it a curveball? Is it a cutter? Uh, is it a fork ball? Is it a four-seam four seam fastball? Fower? Um, I'm obviously a total sports fan. Um, is it a knuckleball? Is it a knuckle curve? Is it a screwball, a sinker, a slider, a splitter, a two-seam fastball? I mean, what is this thing coming at me? Do you, ever, do you ever see your thoughts coming at you? What is this? Is this an encouragement? Is this an attack? Is this a fastball? Is this a slider? What is it? Because you need to respond based on whatever's coming at you. 
And if you don't learn to discern, you're just going to be captive to whatever the enemy is pouring into your, your life and into your mind. And, and I think we've got to learn to, to recognize. So here's a, here's a couple of things that I'm learning right now. One, learn to watch your thoughts rather than engaging with them. You could watch your thoughts without engaging with them. You can, you, can, you can almost be an observer at first. You know, you need a little time in your life to do this. You got to train your brain to pause for a second and go, hold on, before you engage with that thought, let's figure out what it is first. Is that from the Lord? Is that from a person of good intent in my life? Is that from the enemy? What is this? How should I respond to that? I mean, you, you know, you got to slow down for a second to do that. You can't just be reacting to everything. And in order to do that, you got you to make a decision that you're going to practice this stuff. So what is that thought? They call, uh, th- there's a skill called emotional surfing. And uh, we've talked a little bit about it on our Midweek Motivation podcast. By the way, I hope you're going to engage in that this week because uh, Nancy Castile and I are walking through a series on our Midweek podcast to follow this up. And it's really great stuff. And, and I hope you'll engage in it. Um, but emotional surfing is like you notice your thoughts and your emotions, you name them, you accept them, you investigate them, you allow and release them. I mean, so it's like now I'm taking charge of these things. I'm not being bullied by what's going on in my head or even in my heart. First Thessalonians chapter five says, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Look at that. Test everything that's said. Hold on to what is good. What do you do with the bad? Let it go. <laughs> Test everything, hold on only to what is good. But you've got to recognize, you've got to learn to discern if you're going to do that. You've got to test things. I, um, I remember when I was younger, there was this moment in time when my parents were trying to help out a family member. And so we invited my cousin, I think he was like a second or third cousin named Sean, to come and live with us. And I was excited because I, I, I had a sister, but I never had a brother. And so Sean was just a little bit older than me. And I was excited because I was thinking, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, we're going to go fishing together. Right? We live in the country. We're going to go fishing together. We're going to go hiking together. We're going to probably get in a lot of trouble together. There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of, you know, as they say on Tommy Boy, we're going to do a lot of dumb stuff together. Um, and I was so excited. And, and so Sean moves in, and it was great. What I didn't know as a 12-year-old was how to handle his, his lies. I didn't know how to handle the fact that he had a really bad pattern of being dishonest. And uh, I figured it out the day the cops showed up to our house and were rifling through our house for marijuana, and they found it in my dresser drawer because Sean had put it there. And, uh, you know, those things, you got you to pause and go like, I need to get a little smarter here. I need to get a little more discerning here. How do you do that? I'll tell you, one of the ways is, is by who you're around. Who are you around? Do you need more spiritually-minded people in your life? If so, there's a perfect way to do that. It's called growth groups. And I hope you'll take advantage of it because we need to win, right? We got to win. The stakes are too high. I mean, in 20 years, in 30 years, someone's going to look at your life and evaluate it. What do you want them to say? And how do you get there? Well, you you do it by deciding, I'm going to fight to win this battle. Second thing you can do is to look through a new lens. Look through a new lens. I brought Pastor Ken's binoculars up here because sometimes, you know, it's, it's the way you're looking at stuff that makes the difference. And we got to learn how to look through a new lens. If, all, if, if you got trained as a kid 
to think, man, you guys are really close. If you got trained as a kid to think negatively, isn't it hard to look through a new lens? If you had a negative parent who was always looking at the downside of things, who never complimented but only criticized, it is so difficult, isn't it, to get past that? And so you've got one way of looking at things. But what we got to do is we got to learn to look through a new lens. And I want to talk you through that real quick in a couple of tips. Uh, Recently, well, okay, our son and daughter-in-law live in, in Rome, Italy, and we had this opportunity to go see them. And so we're taking it. So it's coming up in late April, and we cannot wait. We're so excited. It's combined with another trip. And, and so we decided we're going to book the tickets. So we did. We booked the tickets. We got it all set. We told them when we were landing and all this stuff. And, um, and then this last week, we're looking on our Expedia app, and we're like, I know we booked the tickets. I'm pretty sure I paid them off. Where's the booking? Like, you know, this is one of those weird moments when we got so confused, and we're like, uh-oh, now we're screwed because the prices are more. We can't find the flights to work with the other flights. How did this happen? You know, and, and, I, and, and we spent hours scrubbing through all of our emails, bank statements, all the, any possible other airline. We might have accidentally booked it through instead of Expedia or whatever, and we couldn't find it. And so I'm starting to panic and also feel like a total dillweed for letting this happen. Um, and so we were, we were kind of wrestling through this. And then Melissa said this thing that I thought was so great. She texted me when I was venting on text to her about it. And she said, God has a better plan. I was like, that's a great turnaround. That's looking through a new lens, isn't it? Because it, it, the way it happened, circumstance happened, event, response. Well, in, in between event and response, we actually have a choice, right? And so she helped me to acknowledge that I was being a negative Nelly and that I needed to look at this in a different way because here's a couple of possibilities. God was protecting us from a plane crash. We might get a better price. <laughs> it's possible, right? It's possible that what I looked at as a negative could be a positive. And, and it's just as likely. So why was I fixated on the negative? I needed to look at it through a new lens. Look at it through what lens? Through the lens of God's care and God's power. What if we started looking through everything in your life through, through the lens of God's care and God's power? That he, he does care, he loves you, and he is able. And so when something changes, when something surprises you, what if you stopped going to the worst case scenario and you started going, well, what would be the best case scenario here? The best case scenario is that the universe is conspiring for me, not against me. And that God is for me, not against me. I have a friend named Nathan Hawkins, and um, he's one of the most positive people that I know. It, it can be borderline annoying. Do you know anybody like that? <laughs> Nathan Hawkins. His nickname is Chivo, which apparently in Spanish means goat, because he has a goatee, and he was a missionary in Mexico, and so he got nicknamed Goat. Um, but he's such a positive dude. I mean, he, all he ever is is like this shining beam of positivity. Rainbows and unicorns. That's Nathan Hawkins. You know, so if anything ever goes bad, you just got to call Nathan and you're going to feel better. But he, he did this thing, and I've known him for a while now, and he did this thing that always just caught my attention because I would always say in a conversation, if, if there was different interchange of ideas, I would say these words, yeah, but. And he retrained me to say, yes, and, <laughs> and I know that's a subtle shift, 
But, but if you know Nathan, you realize he's being very intentional on that. What's he trying to do? Bring people together instead of make people move apart. He's trying to bring a conversation together. He's trying to collaborate. He's trying to be a peacemaker. And he's so good at that. And it's just a different way of looking at it, you know? Sometimes I look at it and go, well, there's two ideas. Obviously, yours is wrong, you know? Uh, right? Anybody else ever have that problem? And it, it, comes, it comes up in marriage sometimes, you know? Yeah, whoops. But he looks at it and goes like, okay, there's two ideas. Maybe they're both right. Maybe there's val, you know, valid points in both of them. And so, yes, and. Okay, Philippians chapter 1 has a verse that you're going to want to see. And it's in verse 12 through 14. And it says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me, helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. What? Paul's like, you know what's awesome? I'm in prison. No, he didn't actually say, you know what's awesome? I'm in prison. He said, you know what's awesome about me being in prison? Look at all these great things. So the question sometimes in our circumstances could be, what's great about this? And as Melissa would say, God has a better plan. That's what's great about this. Can you stop long enough in your cycle of event response to to just slow it down, watch your thoughts, evaluate, discern, decide to look through a new lens and become somebody who sees it through the lens of faith? Through the, through the eyes of Jesus, to look at things like God would. That's what he's asking us to do. There's a little activity that I hope you'll take me up on this week, and it's called Flip the Script, okay? If you need help in this area, which I think every single one of us do, then um, practice this this week. When, when that negative voice starts coming up, Flip the Script can happen in three ways. One, thank God for what didn't happen. As an example, thank God that we didn't book those tickets on Expedia that maybe the flight would have got canceled and we would have ended up in Siberia instead of Italy, you know? Uh, we don't know. Um, there could have been any number of things happen. Thank God for what didn't happen. Practice pre-framing. In other words, uh, when, you, when you decide how you're going to look at something, it changes how it goes. I'm going to look at this through the lens as an example of God's love and God's power. So today I decided I'm going to pre-frame everything to come into my life. It's going to come through this lens. God's love, God's power. That's how I'm going to see it. That's pre-framing. And you could practice doing that. And then look for God's goodness along the way. Just look for those moments when you see God and he's like, oh, I can't believe he's so good. And you start becoming a person who's thanking him for things. I started doing this little prayer, a new way of doing prayer journal for me um, a few weeks ago at the beginning of the year. And so what I decided to do was every day, I'm gonna ask myself, what do I have to thank God for? And I'm gonna keep a a list. And so I just started writing the date and then the thing. And it's it's the, now it's the largest portion of what I've been uh, writing down and praying for, because it just keeps, it's just gotten so easy to go, oh man. And then, no, you know what happens is during the day, I'm actually, there's this alert on that goes, what are you gonna look for today that God is doing? What are you gonna be thankful for today? And it's changing my attitude. And my wife is so grateful. And uh, just kidding, she never, never complains about me. But um, 
But flip the script with me, um, because I think that, that that can be a huge, huge help to us. Why? Why does this matter? Well, I think it matters because your life has so much significance. Your life has so much significance. I got to tell you, yesterday morning, I woke up and I went through the same routine I do every single morning. I went downstairs, I sat in my special spot, I turned on the heater, I got the coffee, I got my water, I got my iPad and my little pencil, and I just went to town on my journaling. And I, so I write out my thoughts and respond to what's been going on. And then, and then I uh, open up the scripture, and right now I've got a reading plan that's, that's helping me. Uh, and I was reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's a letter from Paul to the church at Corinth. And 2 Corinthians 5 is all about reconciliation, where God brings people back together uh, he, with him. He, he reunites people with him. And in chapter 5, verse 20, it says, uh, we are Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us, when, or excuse me, as though Christ was making his appeal through us when we plead, come back to God. That's what it says. I decided to dig a little deeper into that because I've always loved that verse and I love the idea of reconciliation, that God is always trying to bring people back to himself. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you haven't yet. But he, he says, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were, Christ were making his appeal through us when we plead, come back to God. I looked that up in the Greek, the original language. And what I discovered is the word plead literally means a deep personal need. Please come back to God. And I thought that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Because I do feel that compulsion, you know, for the people that I love to experience the, the love that I've experienced, to experience the freedom, you know, to experience the answered prayer, to experience the confidence that God gives you when you follow him. I do have a deep personal need and a sense of that. But as I looked into it further, you know what I discovered? He's not talking about me. He's talking about Jesus's deep personal need to be reunited with every lost sheep. And, I, and it hit me and I started crying. I mean, I'm downstairs all by myself just crying like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I just felt like it was so deep to me that Jesus is longing for that reconnection. Why? Because your life matters so much to him. He, he, he thought you up, you know? He created you. He placed you where you are because he wanted you to find him. He put people in your life and for some of you, he brought you here today so you could understand something. Your life matters. That is why we have to win the war. Because there are consequences. Because God has entrusted you with great power and great influence. And one day, you're going to see the result of that. And we get to have a, a bearing upon that today. So I want to ask if you'd bow your heads with me right now and, and close your eyes and just give God a minute to work in your life and, and ask yourself the question, you know, what kind of thinker do I want to be? What kind of warrior do I want to be? What kind of battle do I want to fight? What kind of life do I want to have? Because you get to have influence on it. You get to make some choices. You get to decide if today you're going to really understand the grace of God. You get to decide, am I going to, maybe, maybe you've been here and you've been looking into what, what it looks like to follow Jesus and you haven't yet crossed that line of faith. You haven't said, I need Jesus. I recognize I'm a sinner. Jesus, forgive me. You've never 
opened your heart up to him. You haven't, you haven't believed, as Jesus would say. You've been thinking about it, but you've not taken that step to humble yourself and to acknowledge that your sin needs to be forgiven and to, and to put your life into the hands of the Almighty God. And as a result, you've been fighting all these battles by yourself. And every time they come, you, you kind of duck and run for cover because you know how bad it's going to feel. And you need some help. And you need the hand of the Savior. And you need the touch of God in your life. And if you're at that place, I want to, I'm, I'm begging you, come back to God. I'm begging you, acknowledge how much your life matters to him because he has such a good plan for you. If you're ready for that, I'm going to ask you right now to tell him in your heart, wherever you're at, you're online with us, you're right here in this auditorium, tell him, tell him, Jesus, today I choose to believe. Jesus, today I'm coming to you. I acknowledge my sin. I've messed up. I believe that you forgave me on the cross and I'm inviting you to be my savior, my Lord, the one that I follow. I'm asking for your help in these battles. Would you renew my mind? Would you give me your thinking so that I can live the life you've called me to, so that I can have that impact that you want me to have? Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are fighting a battle. And I know that there's many of us who, who go back and forth, as even the Apostle Paul said, sometimes I, I know the right thing to do and I don't do it. Or I know the wrong thing to do and I do it anyways. Lord, we ask your forgiveness and your cleansing. We ask for your strength and renewal. And we ask that you give us a fresh start today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for the way that you love us, for your care for us, and thank you, thank you, thank you for your power. You're so able. God, today we wanna to entrust you with this battle. We wanna commit ourselves to it, that we will fight to win. Help us, in your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Westside Podcast. We hope that you'll be taking some next steps in your faith journey, and we'd love to help with that. The most important step you can take is following Jesus. And if today you decided to make that step, we want to encourage you and help you. You can text the word Jesus to 503-905-9067. And we're going to send you some things in the mail to help you grow in your faith. We also would encourage you to stop by this Sunday for a live service, either online or on site right here in the Portland, Oregon area. You can find out more at westsidecommunitychurch.com.